Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 357 and we're talking about travel insurance. In fact, we're talking with a travel insurance expert and so that coming up later in the show. We, however, have just arrived in the UK. It's great to be back. Yeah, it was actually really interesting because we had a situation that might have required us to use insurance, which we'll tell you about a little bit later in the show, but in the end, it, it wasn't necessary. But yes, we managed to fly from La Coruña to London late last night, where we arrived kind of around 9 p.m. We hung around in the airport for a little bit, and then Craig's cousin Kevin was arriving an hour or two later, so it worked out really well. We were staying with them, so we, we traveled back to their place together, got to see Craig's cousin Gail. And yeah, it's been really nice. It is. And the last few weeks in the north of Spain have been fantastic. Oh. You know, we've been heading uh, from San Sebastian to Bilbao, from there over to Oviedo, and finally the last couple of weeks in Acarunia up on the northwest coast. Which is one of our favorite places in the world. We love it so much. Yeah, one of my favorite things is eating octopus. Now, Galicians do the best octopus anywhere, hands down. I'm going to say it. I've never had any better. It's really good. And we've got this one restaurant we go to every time we're in Coruña. We went there two or three times this time. One of the highlights, and you know us, this was an, an accidental occurrence, <laughs> but we were in Coruña for the biggest party of the year, the San Juan Festival. It was amazing. What they do is everyone goes to the beach and they light bonfires there on the beach and there's an effigy that's, that's burned and there were lots of fire engines there to make sure everything was under control. But people also go to the bars. All the bars have barbecues outside and they're grilling up some sardines and some chorizo. So we had that. And it was really good. We met up with uh, our friend Alba and, and some of her friends. And then Oliva came to meet us. So we went off with her. And then we went for a walk and we met some of our other old friends and then ran into Oliva's parents. We're just kind of jumping from group to group. It was it was really magic. And then at the end of the night, we uh, we watched the fireworks at midnight and then jumped over a fire, which was a symbol of like leaving the past behind and, and starting the new year. It's kind of funny having a kind of a new year celebration in the middle of the year, but I quite like it. Yeah, it was neat. And then the following morning, our Airbnb host had prepared, uh, what would you say, like a, a bucket, but you know, a nice bucket. A basin. A basin, that's it, of water with purifying herbs in it, things like rosemary and, you know, other bits and pieces like that, this really sweet-smelling herb water. And you wash your face with that, and that's the, you know, from the smoke and fire of the night before to the sweet-smelling herbal fragrances of the next day is uh, kind of tops off the purification. Yeah, it was really nice. It felt like a good little ritual to do. Absolutely. But you wouldn't believe it. It's actually warmer here in uh, London than it was in Spain. Last week, because we had one really, really good week in Coruña. And then San Juan was Saturday night. Sunday was good. And then Monday, the weather just went, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with this. <laughs> and it went all foggy and cold. So we had one really good week, one really cold week. And in the UK at the moment, there's a heat wave. Yeah, yeah. I think the the typical kind of summertime stereotypes of what weather's going to be in different places is getting completely thrown out mm. of whack now. So it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is sponsored by worldnomads.com. They provide travel insurance you can buy, extend, and claim on even if you're already traveling, which makes it perfect for people like us. Absolutely. They are more than just a travel insurance provider. 
they are really committed to supporting independent, adventure-minded travellers with travel safety advice, lots of resource around trip planning, travel safety, and what to do if something does go wrong. They have podcasts and e-books and all sorts of stuff. And in this episode, we're speaking with Phil Sylvester of World Nomads for some general advice about travel insurance. So let's start out by finding out a little bit about Phil. Well, you know, first things first, I think, and so I'm not exactly sure when it was I was growing up and I was at school that I decided that I wanted to know everything I possibly could about travel insurance, but that's kind of the way it's ended up. <laughs> Look, I, um, I'm from a journalism background. I was a uh, TV news reporter and producer for oh, more than 15 years. And then I had another, you know, five years or so working as the executive producer of a talk radio show. And for the past eight years, I've been working at World Nomads because they initially said they'd like somebody to come over and start helping them write some content about Ways that, you know, true travellers, you know, indie travellers can stay safe while they travel because a lot of what was happening in travel insurance and still happens a lot is people try to scare you with stories. And we're like, we're going, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, travel's not all bad. It's not all scary all the time. So we try to approach it from the angle that if we do the research and we tell you what might happen, then you can be prepared for it before you go to make sure it doesn't happen. So that's kind of been my whole shtick whilst I've been at World Nomads. And, you know, obviously it's a it's a pretty unusual travel insurance brand because, you know, we offer out those film and writing and photography travel scholarships and we have a lot of content, my area in the safety area, but a lot of adventure content as well. So we're not like your usual travel insurance brand because we're all travellers. We're all like-minded travellers. That's our big thing. That's when you come to get a job at World Nomads, we want to know about your travel experience. So, you know, we'd sort of like to think that we are very much a part of the community. Um, you can imagine from 20-odd years of experience, I'm, you know, um, I'm not a young spring chicken anymore. And I did a lot of my, <laughs> I did a lot of my travelling in the 1980s. Um, and beyond when, um, you know, it was still pretty rough and ready out there. So, uh, you know, I did my fair share of backpacking around places and I've always had a, um, uh, a passion for, uh, finding new places. And the thing that I really like doing, my, my wife says that I will speak to a lamppost if I've got nobody to talk to. And that's the thing that I like doing is talking to people. And I've always done that. I've always, whenever I've traveled, I've tried to make a connection with people, um, you know, at a local level. So, and that's one of the main pillars of World Nomads. And that's why I like the brand so much and why I love working there. It's because, you know, that's one of the things that we say makes travel the fantastic thing that it is. So what actually is travel insurance? Are you just throwing money away or is there real value in picking this kind of stuff up? Yeah, it's, you know, it's quite sort of, you know, democratic in a way. It's like everybody contributes a little bit so that if somebody's in the poo, then they get what they need out of it. It's the way, you know, original, you know, fire insurance for a home started, uh, you know, back in the 17, 1800s or whatever it was. So that's the thing. Everybody contributes a little bit. And, um, you know, if you're really in trouble, uh, you get what you need to get you out of trouble. And it's based, you know, it gets very complicated and I won't bore people with, you know, actuarial tables and management of risk and things like that. But in the end, about 
10% of people who go travelling end up in trouble in some way or other and have to make a claim. And that's funded by you know, the other 90% who have contributed but have had that safety net behind them the whole time but fortunately have not had to call on it. And, you know, people people kind of think it's about, well, if, you know, my bags get stolen or I lose my luggage or something like that. But, um, you know, the most important thing about travel insurance is uh, me- the medical side of it, paying your medical expenses if you get sick overseas. And people get sick in some pretty, you know, dodgy places where the the hospital help is not up to standard at all and uh, your travel insurance the most expensive things that we do is we get you out of those places and get you somewhere preferably home where you're going to be able to get the type of care that you need to make a full recovery and it boils down to travel insurance boils down to this if you go away and you have a really crap experience something bad happens to you and you lose money or you get sick and you have a bad experience you're never going to travel again because that was bad experience but if you've got some travel insurance and the help that comes with a travel insurance provider behind you the emergency assistance team and the claims team and all the other support even if you have a you know, unfortunate event, if you get the support from your travel insurer that makes it as painless as possible, you'll want to travel again. That was not a bad experience. It went bad, but it was okay. I'm going to go traveling again. And that's what we're all about because we believe in travel and we want people to be able to travel safely and have a safety net behind them so that they can continue to enjoy the benefits that you get from travel, the same as we have in our past. We often hear about insurance in a negative light, you know, when people are denied a payout for one reason or another, especially when they expect one. So what's your advice here? Well, look, it's a funny thing. People will spend, you know, up to a year, they will spend months planning absolutely every detail of their trip. You know, what time is the plane going? What hotel am I staying? How close am I to where I want to go? How much money will I need? They get right down to the absolute minutia of planning a trip but they won't spend 20 minutes to read the policy wording in on their travel insurance policy are you kidding me it's 20 minutes you really got to do it so that you understand what is covered and not because and you say you know the detail and people often talk about fine print <laughs> to which you know I sometimes get a bit upset and I respond it's in exactly the same font as the rest of the website it's not fine print and it's not hard to read we've made it as plain english as we possibly can we have a you know a summary of what is covered and then you can get into the detail of it and if you're not sure if you're covered for something that you plan on doing give us a call we'll tell you whether it is or not so, you know, like spend half an hour understanding what your travel insurance policy will and will not cover. And the beauty of doing that is you're faced, you know, in the moment whilst you're traveling with I can do, you know, A or B. Oh, that's right. A is not covered because I've read my travel insurance policy. I'll do B instead and I know I am covered. So, you know, it helps helps you make good decisions because you're informed, and yeah, going going back to that, a lot of people aren't used to reading these kind of contracts or these kind of policies. So what's your advice for making sure that people are kind of looking for the right things and understanding what they need to? Well, you've got to make sure, I mean, 
especially in Australia, but in most jurisdictions, and that, and we, you know, are a global company. We, you know, have policies from six different underwriters. In most of those jurisdictions, there is an obligation on us to tell people that to make sure that the policy they choose, whether it's ours or somebody else's, is right for their particular personal circumstances. And if our policy is not right for you, then pick another one that is. We're really happy because, you know, we're more more than happy for you to get coverage. And if it's not, if we're not right for you, then get it from somebody who is right for you. So what you should look for is if you're, you know, for example, you are taking away a lot of uh, digital equipment. What? So you should look at a policy and go, well, what is the maximum I can get back if I were to lose all of this equipment? Would it cover my equipment or not? And we... We at World Nomads are quite clear about the fact that we are for independent light travel. If you are, you know, a massive semi-pro photographer carrying huge amounts of equipment around, around our coverage is not going to. It's not. We're not going to cover that massive lens that you have. So you know, get that covered somewhere else. But we will cover you for the type of you know independent adventure travel, which is why we are one of the only uh, insurers that will cover over 150 adventure activities, uh, you know, automatically. Lots of them exclude them. So, you know, we're one type of insurance. That might not be right for you. If you're not the independent adventure traveller and you're the semi-pro photographer, somebody else's policy may be better for you. So that's why another reason why you should read the policy. Is this right for me? Does it fit my type of travel? Does it fit the type of traveller that I am? Does it cover me for the equipment I'm taking? Um, you know, and if you if you think you've got a bargain some, from somewhere, you know, there's a cheap policy, and you go, oh, well, that's not expensive, I'll take that. Well, have a look how much they will pay for medical repatriation, how much, what is the upper limit on it, um, you know. Uh, there was a terrible case recently in Australia. There was a, an elderly Australian gentleman who was in um, Indonesia, and he became ill. And he needed evacuation back to Australia. And he'd taken out a policy with the company. I won't name them because I can only say awful things about them. And obviously, the older you get, the more likely you are to have medical complications. So the more expensive your policy gets. But this company keeps the premium that you pay the same, but reduces the benefits that you can access as you get older. <laughs> So he needed 40000 Australian dollars to get uh, medical repatriation back home. And his insurance didn't pay that much. It only paid 10000 So he, as far as I know, he's still stuck in a hospital in Indonesia. And he's 84. So those are the sorts of things you've got to look at. Will it cover me in the you know most dire circumstances to get me back home if I need it? That's what you've got to look at, your individual circumstances. So we have a question from Chris from New York, and he asked, if I have travel insurance and I decide to do something that isn't covered by the policy and I do it, does that invalidate the entire policy? For example, if I decide at the last minute to go on a climbing trip, even though I know that's not covered, what happens in that situation? Any claim that he contemplates making that is a direct and or indirect result of an activity that's not covered won't won't be won't be paid but the rest of the policy still happens so if he's decided he wants to go for example we don't cover you know wingsuit flying or plummeting as i like to call it um he decides to go wingsuit flying for the day and at the end of his trip he's going back to the hotel and his luggage is stolen covered that was 
that's fine. It was nothing actually to do with the wingsuit flying. You were on a bus traveling and your luggage got stolen. That would be covered. So doing something that's not covered doesn't invalidate all of the policy. It's only things that are a result of the activity that's not covered. And what about medical situations then? Like I've heard some horror stories of insurance companies cancelling policies because a person said they were a non-smoker, but then the insurance company found a photo of them on Facebook smoking a cigar at New Year's or something like that. Look, if you have a a pre-existing medical condition and you don't tell us about it and then make a claim that may be related to it, we will ask for medical reports. We will find out. Uh, from your own doctor that it was pre-existing and the claim will be denied. So I had a friend, uh, uh, some friends recently who were going to go to South America with their family and one of their um, children had had a, quite tragically, but it's turned out quite well, one of their children had a heart problem at birth and they said, we can... You know, and they made the, they said, can we get coverage for that? I said, well, yes, you can, um, you know, go to, we don't do it through World Nomads, but there's a sister company we have that does that. It will be expensive. Or you take the regular coverage and know that if something goes wrong, if you get, if, if your little boy gets sick and it's anything to do with his heart condition, you're going to be paying that yourselves because it's not, it's not going to be covered by your insurance, which is what they did. So they covered him for, you know, like if you're hit by a bus, if you fall over and hurt yourself, if you, you know, get gastro and all those sorts of things that would not be um, impacted by his medical condition would be covered. Fully aware of the fact that if there was anything related to his heart condition whatsoever, not covered. Michelle Carson of Gisborne also asked about uh, insurance, especially for retirees and older people. What's the best way to find the right insurance for them? You know, like World Nomads, many companies have a cutoff date. Um, I don't know about uh, Gisborne in New Zealand, but I know there is a company in Australia called Boomers Insurance. It's for baby boomers. It's actually set up by a former employee of, uh, of uh, the World Nomads group. Uh, and he's a top bloke and he has managed to negotiate a product that actually really works for baby boomers as they're getting older and older. So, you know, there are products out there. There's a sister brand of ours which is available through um, travel agents. It's called SureSave and that too is aimed at the older market. And, you know, again, their policy differs from ours because it's a different type of travel that people are undertaking and, you know, they have different circumstances. So it is possible. You just have to, you know, shop around and make sure you get the right product. Can I just point out that um, travel insurance in just about every jurisdiction in the world is a very heavily regulated industry and that's because, uh, you know, there is there have been some bad, bad experiences in the past. And I am actually, would you believe, legally obliged to make a disclaimer. But can I just say that I'm, I, you know, like I'm actually just giving what's called general advice right, right here. And again, it's about reading your policy document. If you, you know, I might actually get some bits of it wrong. I don't know the full story. I mean, I might say to, you know, Chris that asked the question that you would be, you know, your luggage on the way back might be covered. But then there are other circumstances and other complications in it, which means that the cover might be denied. So, you know, take this, you know, it's the best I can do answering these sorts of questions, but 
without actually investigating everybody's personal circumstances right down to the nitty-gritty, it's general advice. Okay, so Linda alluded to this earlier on in the show, but we had a bit of a sticky situation leaving Akarunia. So what happened was we had our flights for Thursday night, and we got an email, I think it was on Tuesday, saying that there were going to be strikes in France. Now, we were in Spain going to England. Nothing to do with France, but apparently there was something to do with France because our flight was likely to be cancelled as a result of these strikes. And they sent us an email saying, okay, you can choose to change your flight now, like proactively. And I was clicking around the email and and had a look, and I accidentally clicked a button which confirmed my original flight because they had a really bad system. I think they were using the email template for if you've got a a small flight change, like if it was changing by an hour or something, but it wasn't changing. The flight was staying the same. It just might be cancelled. Anyway, a really, really bad interface, bad customer service experience. And uh, so I called and I said, oh, actually, I would like to change. I'd like to change and fly on Saturday. And they said, oh, you can't because you chose this option. I said, right. So um, Craig called our insurance company to ask what happens in this case. If the flight is cancelled or if it isn't cancelled and we've changed our flights, what can we do? Yeah, so I started looking at our insurance options, right, because things were beginning to look a little bit hairy. We're going to have to pay extra for hotels and all sorts of stuff. And so what I found out was because the strikes had been announced in April, our travel insurance company had actually said, hey, we're not covering anything after whatever date it was, 10th of April or something like that. I was like, oh, this is getting worse and worse. So I sent them an email to uh, you know, explain the situation and asked what they would consider to be reasonable costs in the situation and how we could best ensure that we had a, you know, a fair uh, compensation for this event. And they emailed back and said, hey, because your policy was purchased before the published date, you'll still be covered. It's okay. So I breathed a sigh of relief and went, well, that's good. And their advice was similar to what Phil's been talking about, you know, to make sure that you're you're honest, that you don't incur unnecessary or unreasonable costs, and that uh, you have documentation for for everything, you know, just in that very common sense way forward. And so, yeah, so luckily we we didn't need it. But it was a bit of a a stressful situation for a while. It really wasn't ideal. We showed up at the airport, like all day we were wondering, is the flight going to be cancelled? Is the flight going to be cancelled? I was checking the Vueling app. I was checking the the website. No information at all. I even called the night before and the the customer service rep had no idea. So we showed up at the airport and the check-in clerks were really lovely. They said, look, you know, we've got this email. And she said, yeah, we know. But we've not heard anything about these strikes. We only heard about it from customers who received an email from Welling. And some people actually got a second email the night before the flight saying that it was definitely cancelled. So I'm not quite sure what the story was there, if it was just a mistake in their system or... I don't know. And yet the flight that we... We showed up at the airport and the flight was full, you know? Yeah. I was at like 95% capacity. So there's obviously something weird going on there. But the point of all of that is that published events... Uh, something that's known, and insurance companies can not cover you for them. Mm-hmm. So it depends a little bit on what the event is, uh, the wording of your policy, and when you bought your policy, which is a little bit crazy. Mm. So I asked uh, Phil about this as well. Yeah. Look, you know, you can't buy car insurance after you've had a car accident. And it's the same with travel insurance. You can't buy travel insurance after an event like that is known. That's the whole sort of 
foreseen and unforeseen circumstances we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, attempting to buy travel insurance coverage for a thing that you know for sure is going to happen, it's borderline fraud, <laughs> you know, like you can't do it. Um, you know, the Australian example is you can't insure your house when the bushfire is burning down your back fence. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's for unforeseen circumstances. And travel insurance companies will do their best. And we, you know, there's a whole department of world nomads, right, and I know it happens right across the globe. They will make declarations saying, okay, that's not covered now uh, to try and help people. But take things like, um, you know, volcanic eruptions or earthquakes. When does a, you know, if you try to figure, when does a volcanic eruption become, become a known event? It's usually when it goes bang. <laughs> so you can assume that as soon as a volcano goes bang, if you haven't bought your insurance policy before that moment, you're not going to be covered for that afterwards. And, you know, in a way, this is an industrial relations bang that you've had. So they're going, there are going to be strikes. If you have bought your policy before that date, before that announcement, very likely to be covered. If you buy it after that announcement, you're very unlikely to be covered. Although I have to say, Europe is a very interesting example because there are, uh, under the European rules, there are there is compensation for people flying within the European Union. Um and it's quite generous. You can, depending on how far you're traveling and, and what have you, you can get very generous compensation for not being delivered on time or at all. Um, and this has taken a lot of the burden off um, travel insurance companies because this is legislated and the, you know, the train uh, companies and the airlines have to pay you this compensation by European law if they can't provide you you know, with the service that they have promised to do. Now, whether that includes industrial action and what, you know, then we're, then we are getting into the nitty gritty of it all. But I, I encourage you to try and have a look. Um, you contact the train company or the airline or whatever transport company you're using and ask them about what compensation is available to you under European law. You may be able to, um, you may be able to get some, uh, you know, or not just your money back, but your money back plus, plus, plus. It's actually quite generous. Well, that was Phil Sylvester. Thanks so much for coming on, Phil. My pleasure. I have a glass of wine in hand and I can hear my wife putting the kids to bed. So I'm about to go and join them and help out there. So some of our takeaways. Number one, read the policy before you buy. This is uh, something that's going to cost you several hundred dollars, maybe over a thousand dollars. Read through it carefully and, you know, Look for any gotchas, but more look to make sure that it's covering the kind of travel and the kind of activities you're going to be doing. Absolutely. Think about what you want to do on your trip and find the right coverage for you. Particularly, look into the activities that are covered, the gear that's covered, and the health that's covered, depending on what your main priority is. For us, health is the most important, but for you it might be the activities or it might be your gear. Also, read your policy again immediately before you travel. I always save it to um, my my phone so I can have a look at my policy, you know, at the last minute, uh, I'd recommend you do something like that as well, just so you know what you're covered for. Yeah, one of the big takeaways I think from this interview for me is to remember that insurance is for the unexpected. You know, you can't get insured against something that's absolutely probable. So what kind of unexpected stuff might come up in your journey and the 
type of trip you're going on? And how much do you want to hedge your bets against that? Yeah, what kind of unexpected do you want to be covered by? Yeah, and thinking of that, uh, be honest about pre-existing conditions because, yeah, you can get that taken off the policy, uh, get that excluded, and all of the other stuff will be covered, and that's super important. Yeah, so yeah, be honest about pre-existing conditions, for sure. Well, this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast was sponsored by Phil's employer, worldnomads.com. They're especially great for when you're already traveling because you can buy, claim, and extend online, even when you're already on your trip, which is something that many insurers don't do. Yeah, we spent ages. I remember when we were away for our first year of travel and our insurance provider stopped providing insurance because we'd been out of the country for more than 12 months. Yeah. And we spent ages trying to find a provider. We used World Nomads and we've been using them on and off since that year, since 2006, 2007. Yeah, definitely. Worldnomads.com also offers scholarship opportunities with great travel media personalities and companies. They emphasize ethical, responsible travel, and they actually fund community projects uh, like Water for a Village in Peru and Solar Lanterns in Africa. And all that's funded by the profits from the sale of travel insurance that's designed for travelers like us, independent travelers who like a bit of adventure. So check out worldnomads.com. And as for us, we're looking forward to the next few months in the UK. We're going to be around London for a bit, visiting some family. And then we're going to head out to the Cotswolds, which we've never been to. And I'm really looking forward to exploring that region, doing a bit of hiking and, uh, yeah, just, just chilling out out there for a while. Here's hoping that the weather stays as awesome as it is at the moment. Absolutely. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.